0: So this morning, we are going into February, and I felt like February we would kind of be uh, looking a little bit at this idea of staying alive. You know, we come through Christmas time, we kind of reconnect with, with uh, Jesus, and he's coming to the world, and we, we start getting spiritual again, and then uh, pretty soon we, we hit into the new, new year, and we're like, okay, I'm going to be a new person, I'm going to do this and that, I'm going to pray more, and I'm going to exercise, and this, and yada, 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 yada. And life just ends up being as rough as it was last year, sometimes. And we start feeling like that bright light that we gain and celebrate at Christmas time just begins to wane a little bit. And, and then come Easter, we feel like we need to be resurrected as well with Christ again. Am I right? Am I? So we want to start looking at preventing that from happening. How can we stay alive spiritually? Because uh, the reality is it, at times we just feel like we start dying a little bit spiritually, right? We we know God's given us new life but it just we don't feel as strong spiritually. We don't feel as alive and as capable. And So we're going to be looking uh, with a series called Staying Alive. Yeah, if you can go ahead. I, I thought about dressing up in a disco suit but maybe uh, maybe we'll end the series with that. I'll figure out some way to work that in as a sermon illustration. But today I want to talk about a thing, this actually kind of came to me this summer, past summer, Uh, Silas, our oldest, five at the time, wanted to go camping for the first time ever. So taking a five-year-old camping who isn't, you know, I mean, he loves the outdoors and bugs and things, but he's not the most coordinated all the time, that can be hazardous, and so we we did it, and it it was fun, but we learned a lot of important lessons while we were camping, because um, camping is fun, but it it has its hazards, right? You have to have proper shelter and so as we're setting up our tent, I'm explaining to them, you know we got to set this up right we if it rains or storms, we don't want it blowing over and falling down because you know we'll get cold and we get pneumonia and die and what if this were in the mountains? So maybe I kind of laid it on a little thick. Uh, we got to make sure it's Far enough away from the fire, because we don't want to burn up in the tent, right? No one wants that. That's not good. So we got shelter. We were putting in. He was a good helper. Go get the stakes. Nope, don't do this. Do it that way. And at one point, he, he was doing it a different way than it needed to be done. I said, hold on, stop. I said, this is how we stay alive. We listen to Dad. Say it with me. And he said, so he repeated. So we end up creating this motto, um, how do we stay alive? We listened to Dad. So obviously Mom wasn't there, uh, but uh, it worked for us. Fire, we had to look at the fire, had to teach him, you know, fire's a lot of fun. When, when Mom's not here, we can put it in the fire and we can twirl it and around and, as long as we're at safe distances and no one gets poked. But we learned about, uh, you know, don't uh, put your gasoline close to the fire. We learned all these safety things, things that are kind of practical, Animals, you don't just go picking up a random snake, right? That's, that's, not, uh, that's not a good thing to do unless you're an expert at that. Uh, we went swimming. You know, there's a lot of, swimming's a lot of fun, but he didn't know how to swim, so about not going out too deep on his own, learning to stay close, all those things. If you're going to go under the water, make sure you come back up. All those are real important things. Real important things. So within all of that, we use the motto, How Do We Stay Alive?, Say it with me. How do we stay alive? We stay alive? No, no, the, the second part. I say, how do we stay alive? You say, there you go. All right, I can take you all camping now. And this also applies, you know, this is very practical advice. You know, I let them know this applies to zombie apocalypse, natural disasters, riding bikes as well, all that thing. This this motto works well. And so this idea of obeying one's parents or Heeding the advice of those wiser or more experienced is a biblical principle. Uh, We see in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. You ready, kids? You with me? This is actually in the Bible. Your parents aren't teasing you, okay? It says, children... Are there any kids in here? All right, this is cool. All right, God's talking to you right now. So listen. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Right? Are you, are you belong to Jesus, right? Yeah. We even sang a song about that. So he says, because of this, verse 2, honor your father and mother. Do you know what that means to honor them? That means to listen to them, to be respectful. even when, And you know what? Sometimes they are wrong. Okay? I will admit, sometimes they are wrong. But you know what? If you do what's right and you respect and honor them... Hopefully, they will apologize and they will do even better the next time, okay? But I guarantee you, you're probably way more wrong than they are. So, so honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, oh, this is cool. Jesus makes a promise with us. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will live, you'll have a long life on earth. So, Paul is quoting Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, when God was talking to his people, he was addressing issues, and he was saying, you know, you guys are being crazy, you're all wanting to do your own thing, you're being disrespectful and rude to each other. And so he set up different rules for everyone, even for the kids. And Paul was talking to the church in Ephesus, and he talked to the husbands, and he talked to the wives, and he talked to the leaders of the church, and he even talked to the kids, because kids are important. Jesus thinks kids are important. So he was even talking to them. And there's some practical application to this and wisdom um, to this, not only physical lives, but also to our spiritual lives as well. How many of you know there's, there's some practical reasons why kids should listen to their parents, right? How many of you kids have ever run out in the middle of the road and heard your parents yell at you? A few of you? I had that happen when I was 16, okay? I almost got hit in the middle of Indianapolis. My mom let out this blood curdling grief, Jared! And I stopped. And this car goes right in front of me. So uh, she was not happy at me because I guess after moms give birth to us and they feed us and they go without a lot of sleep, they don't want to see us just, you know, run over. It makes them a little angry that we aren't careful. So that's why moms get a little crazy sometimes. They got a lot invested in us. You with me, kids? Yep. All right, cool. So the same thing, listening to parents, listening to practical advice, you know, when you're camping with somebody who's been camping before, Uh, especially if you're in the wilderness, listening to them could save your life, right? It's it's very good. If you're going to be climbing a mountain, um, listen to the person that knows how to tie the rope. Don't just tie it like you would your shoestring. These are practical things. So in the same way, this also applies to our spiritual lives as well. How do we stay alive? We listen to Dad. Dad. There you go. You guys are tracking. Good. Good. Listening to Dad, we have a heavenly Father, right? Deuteronomy chapter eleven, verse one: Love the Lord your God and keep His requirements, His decrees, His laws, His commands always. There's a reason for this. God wants to want His people to to survive not only physically but spiritually. We see this theme continuing not only in the Old Testament into the New Testament. Here, Jesus says in John chapter fifteen, verse ten. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. Now what's kind of cool is sometimes we, we start thinking of all these do's and don'ts, and, and Jesus breaks it down to the simple concept of everything that He's called us to do honors God. It honors Father, right? Just as the kids are to honor their father and mother. And everything God does is out of love. And so if we're doing everything out of Christ's love, which is for God's purposes and not our own, our own selfish desires, then all of a sudden we find that we begin doing things the right way, the way Jesus would have us do them. Luke chapter 11, verse 28, he replied, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Or the New Living Translation will say, put it into practice. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It doesn't do any good to hear God's commandments. And we know um, the greatest of these is love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and soul. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So everything that God tells us to do in the Bible can go right back to those two things. And sometimes when we have troubles figuring out what to do in life, because we can't find in the red letters, it doesn't specifically say what to do in this exact situation. We can always go back to those two things. Second John chapter 6, verse 1. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to His commands. As you have heard from the beginning, His command is that you walk in love. We are to walk slash live out our lives out of love for God. And for others. If God is our main passion and desire, then we are going to start thinking and, and living and, and doing what He wants rather than we want. And if His heart and passion and desire is for other people to know Him, then the things that we do are then going to be based on how can we best do that rather than can we best let people know who we are and our brokenness. Luke chapter 10, verse 27. The man answered, "You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself." These are great to know and we know the 10 commandments. We know that those still in existence, we're still not supposed to murder, steal, kill, lie, commit adultery, all those things, right? And we know that Jesus goes into detail and we got kids here, so we'll keep it G-rated. There's a lot of of things in an in a, in a adult's life that aren't supposed to be, right? But knowing these things, knowing what God's word says, and, and following Christ's commands are two different things. Sometimes it's, it's easy to, to go through the scripture and, and say, well, God says this and God says that. But then to actually live it out, it can be kind of tough sometimes, right? How many of you kids, it's easy to know what your parents want you to do, Like, you know sometimes that they want you to wait until after dinner to eat that cookie, right? Or that donut that's just been sitting there staring at you all day on the countertop. Is it hard not to eat that donut or cookie? Yeah, it can get kind of tough sometimes. And obeying God and following Christ is not always a simple matter of making good moral choices either. Sometimes we get in our minds that, well... I, we kind of put our spirituality into this little box or this checklist. And we say, okay, God said, don't do this. Oh, hey, yeah, good. I didn't even want to do that. Um, God said, don't do this. I kind of want to do that. But I didn't. You know, and we go on down through the line. And we're like, oh, I screwed up there. But, okay, I asked for forgiveness so I can double check that, cross it off. God's grace. Good. Okay, I'm good. And we go down through the line and we're like, okay, whew, I'm a good Christian. <laughs> I'm following Jesus. I checked everything off on the box. And, and unfortunately, sometimes we equate our, the, our spiritual life to um, making good moral choices. And that's part of it. Don't get me wrong. That's part of following God's commands. But sometimes we can find ourselves at different crossroads in life that aren't necessarily matters of morality. We make decisions all the time in our life that aren't necessarily a decision of good versus evil, right? Right? And they can be decisions that could potentially have big consequences. They, they steer us in one direction or another in our lives. But how we choose to respond can take us farther into or out of God's will for our lives. Sometimes we wonder, oh God, I've been checking off this morality list. I've been doing a great job, you know. And, I'm, and sometimes we get a little pharisaical. We get like the Pharisees in the Bible. They were the people who pride themselves on being so good and following all the rules and being more spiritual than everyone else. But Jesus said they're dead inside. They're like whitewashed tombs. There's death. There's no spiritual life actually inside them. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 gives us a little insight. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. Too often times we reduce following Christ to making good moral decisions. And we forget the fact that God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And he has things that he's wanting to do. And no matter how far out of his will or plan we spent most of our life... He's like, I don't care where you are right now. I've got a perfect plan for where you are right now. I can use you. I can use this. This is great. We've got a plan. And the problem is sometimes we never take time to figure out what it is God wants us to do. And so we're continually, we're like, I'm reading my Bible. I'm, I'm, I've, I've learned all the commandments. I've you know I've corrected some bad habits and behaviors in my life, and I'm starting to... to do this and that. How come I feel like I'm so outside of where God wants me? And as we see here in Proverbs, we are to seek God's will in all you do. That's why when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we're to be praying for find out, okay, God, what is your purpose? What is your will? Because I, I've got my own ideas, but the reality is God's ideas are sometimes a lot better than my ideas. I don't think so in the time because I think I have great ideas and, and my ideas would cause me a lot less heartache and headache sometimes. At least I think. But in the long run, it's proven time and time again in my life that God has better plans for me. My plan was to travel the world, jump out of airplanes, blow things up, um, you know, be Jason Bourne or James Bond or whatever. That's what I really, really wanted to do. God had different plans. And even after God called me into the ministry, and it was in kind of a one of those moments in life I'm kind of talking about here, there comes a moment where everything seems to kind of crash in on you a little bit. We kind of get those moments in life where we we hit a brick wall in life. We're like, okay, God, what next? And it's not a matter of sinning or not sinning. It's a matter of what do I do next, God? So this summer I'll have been a pastor Five years, I believe. Five years and four months ago from that date, I was still telling God I did not want to be a pastor, and that was a bad idea. Go back another three months before that, and I was this close to saying, you know what, God? Not your will, but my will now. Because your will's tough, God. I'm tired of trusting you. I'm tired of not really knowing where you're taking me. Uh, this whole faith thing, it's really stretching me. You know what, I, I told you I would give this this a plan and you know what, I tell you what God, I'll still be a good Christian, I'll do what's right, but I'm going to go off and, and I'm going to pursue my own pursuits. How about that? And God, being a gracious, loving Father, was there the whole time and, and at one point I'm filling out a job application where kind of a job, job application, and uh, it would have dramatically taken my life to a whole nother place. Can a person be a Christian and do that type of job? Sure they can. Could I have done the job and done it well? Sure I could have. Could I have still been a Christian? Absolutely. But have I chosen that path? And keep in mind, this was not a path that was necessarily morally wrong or right path. It would have been outside of God's will for my life. As I'm sitting there filling it out, and I all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just hit so strong, and I just felt that sick feeling just swarm inside my gut. And I heard, not audibly, but I just heard pretty clear. I heard this voice, and God said, Don't open that can. And I got this picture of this rusty can, with all kind of jagged edges popped up, and just these green yellow worms just all kind of crawling out of it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but, yeah, but God. And, I, and again, my fingers at mid-stride to hit send or submit, and God again says, don't open that can. And I just felt like God said, listen, son, daughter, whatever, you God's speaking to you through this. You can go that route, but I'm God, and I know where it's going to take you. I know you better than you know yourself. And I know that that route will ultimately lead to death. It'll lead to heartache. It'll lead to destruction of a lot of good things. And sometimes we we fail to take time to listen to God in the important decisions of our life. And we fail to realize that sometimes we can head on a path. And that path begins to take us down a journey that's far from what God has for us. So God wants us to grow spiritually. He wants us to grow in his purposes. And and he knows that there's nothing necessarily wrong with this particular road. But he knows us and he knows if we go down that road, we're going to be in a place that we don't need to be. A place where the enemy is going to more easily be able to manipulate our dark side, so to speak. Be able to entice and draw us out and farther away from Christ. The best path we can ever take in our life is not the path that leads to the most money. It's not the path that is the path of least resistance. In fact, sometimes... God will call us to take the trails that are the most rugged and have the most vines and have the steepest incline. But if you talk to any explorer in the world, I just heard on NPR, it was kind of cool. There's this uh, canyon, I think in Washington State, there was a guy, he's the first person to ever see this spot. He was a helicopter pilot, um, and they were flying, putting, dropping water uh, over fires and and. They never ever get to fly real low over the ground unless there's a fire. So he got to do it this time. I'm sure they kind of actually secretly enjoy that. Uh, And they're flying real low, and he swoops down over a canyon, and he looks down, and there's this creek, and all of a sudden this creek or this river just disappears straight down. And he's like, what in the world? And so he ended up getting some people, and they went exploring, and they went through some really, really rough terrain to get there. And it was tough, and it was dangerous. But they finally made it, and they got to see something amazing and beautiful. These cliffs and all these waterfalls hidden inside that no one in our modern times that we know of knew this existed. It's kind of the same way with God. It can be a little tough. It can be a little strenuous. But he's the experienced guide. They had an experienced person there teaching them and leading them through all of this. And God leads us through, and then all of a sudden we come through to where he wants us to be. And we can't ever imagine going any other place or doing anything else different. Looking back in my life now, I can't imagine, thank God, I listened to my dad. I listened to my father. And even my earthly father, I have to, It's actually his birthday yesterday. I have to thank God that my parents instilled, they said, you can do anything you put your mind to. You're capable of that. They said, but... The thing you need to do is ask God what He wants you to do and do that. Is it possible to live a morally perfect life and be spiritually dead and far outside of God's will for our lives? Yes. And this is why it's so important that we we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'll send you a guide. I'll send you a helper. I'll send you empowerment so that we are able to Continue to move forward towards the things God's called us to, to grow and to stay alive spiritually. We see a great example in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7 is the church of Ephesus. And Jesus is speaking to John, through John, to his church. He says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands some beautiful poetic imagery and God's basically saying that I'm writing this to you the church leaders um, I am the God who created everything my spirit fills everything guides you in everything so listen up verse 2 I know all things you do I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance this is Jesus speaking to him he's saying hey I've seen everything that you've done You've been you've been listening you've been obeying my commandments great job I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Sometimes that gets misconstrued there. You don't tolerate evil people. He's talking about um, evilness and idolatry within the church body and, and making sure it gets corrected. We know the world's evil and we don't want to partake of it, but we've got to still tell them about Jesus. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Awesome. Pretty good report. I imagine they're sitting there like, yes, yes. We've been checking those boxes off, and it is paying off. Yes. But, uh uh-oh, here we go. Verse 4, but I have this complaint against you. Seriously, God? Come on. You don't love me. Ouch. Or each other as you did at first. So they still love God. There's still motivation there, but we see this dwindling. The the life of their their spiritual being has begun to dwindle a little bit. They've died spiritually a little bit. They're in the process of dying. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand, which is a representation of God's presence and his spirit being with them, from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans. These were people that just did whatever they wanted and thought God should bless them for it, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. He says, look how far you have fallen. He wasn't saying, yeah, you've, you've achieved all of this good stuff. Yeah, you've done this and you've done that. Great job. But where's the passion? He's like, Where's your love for me? You, remember when you were first a believer and you're still a little bit messy? But, but you were excited about me and you were excited and you couldn't wait to go tell your neighbors and your friends about what I did for you on the cross? I would rather have that messy, excited, and passionate person than someone who checks off every box but, eh, is kind of in love with me. Who kind of cares about the people in this world. But he goes on to encourage them and says, Look, I've done it, he's saying, Don't give up on this. You've done a great job. But this is nothing without this. Those checked off boxes mean nothing. They're, they're not really a testament of me unless you have passion and a love and a desire for me. And so he reminds him listen to the Spirit. So here's a couple practical things. How do we listen to dad? Life gets kind of busy and and hectic sometimes, right? And so these are simple things that we all probably know. Some of us may do really well. Some of us may not. And I guarantee you, each and every one of us can always improve in it. And we have seasons where we, we do better than others. So how do we listen to dad pretty much like we would with any earthly father who's got wisdom and knowledge and loves us and is there for us. We give him our undivided attention. How I many of you have ever had to ask a little kid, say, hold on, hold on, okay, look me in the eyes. I'm trying to tell my kids something, something. they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're Stop. Look me in the eyes. Do you hear the words coming out of my mouth? Okay, good. Now, do this. And then they're like, oh. Yes, see, when you listen, it's easier. It's the same thing with God, and, and we aren't any different than little children. We like to think we are, but we're not. We need to give God our undivided attention. This means daily time with Him. We always have different schedules. We always have different ways of times that we pray But it is so crucial that we actually, pen in, like, if 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 we got free tickets to the Packers game, you better bet we're we're clearing off the calendar and we're marking that day, right? Unless you're not a Packers fan, okay? I see, there you go, okay. Maybe a Badgers game, okay? All right, there we go. All right, I didn't want to get you in trouble here, you know. Maybe someone gave you Super Bowl tickets, so we can go cheer on Peyton Manning, right? got some Bronco fans here. Uh, Man, you guys are a rough crowd this morning. All right, I guess it's Packers or nothing. (laughs) So imagine the God of the universe, okay, just imagine this for it with me. Imagine if the God of the universe, uh, okay, moved heaven and earth so he could actually be with us and spend time with us and talk to us, all right, and even send his Holy Spirit to commune and interact with. Imagine if that were the case. Imagine if we had a book called the Bible that tells us all of that. I imagine we would get excited and we would make time in our busy schedules. Don't worry, my toes are getting stepped onto here. But we, we don't, do we? Not always. And so that's what Jesus is talking through John to the church in Ephesus, and that's what he's telling them. He's like, you've been doing a great job, but... You're giving time and your undivided attention to so many things except me. As we sang in the song, it's all about Jesus. It's all about you. That's our spiritual life. It needs to be all about Jesus. Two times we make our spiritual life about me. How, how good I am. How um, much I can do this and do that. and It's about how much do we love God. That is the mark of our spirituality. That is the root from which it grows. So one, very practical, undivided attention. Just like uh, when we learn to hear and recognize voices, you know, you're with your kid, you're at the mall, um, or you're with some friends and you're going to a game and you get shuffled in the crowd you're trying to get someone's attention. If you don't really know and recognize that person's voice, it's just one more person yelling, trying to get someone else's attention. And so in the same thing as we take that that time alone with God and sit there. And so fortunately, um, I had just enough time with God that when I was sitting there at my computer trying to decide what path to take in my life, whether to fill out this resume and submit it or not, I recognized that voice that was speaking to me, and I knew that wasn't my voice. That time when we're really busy and we're out and there's people going on and we're working through life, and all of a sudden God says, "Hey, don't go there, stop and say hi to this person." And you're like, Why? that, that I'm, I'm, I got to go shopping God and he says, "Stop and talk to that person and because you've spent time listening to him, you know that that's the voice of God and so you do, and then God ends up turns out they're going through a really rough time or they something they needed to ride and God just ended up using you to perform a miracle, in a way. Because we've learned to listen. If we don't take that time daily, listening to God's voice in the morning and at night, you know, whenever it is, but you've got to take that undivided time. We Too often times, and I'm guilty of this, we try to squeeze our God time in with, with other time. And yeah, when you're in your car and you're isolated, that's, that's a good time to... Pray, but sometimes I'll be thinking about this and I'll be thinking about that. And God, will you just take time where He is our only agenda? Hearing His voice is our only agenda. So, undivided attention, daily time with Him, learn to recognize His voice. How much time is the right time? Any time more than what you're doing now is the best time, amount of time. So, if it's zero, One minute's better than zero. I dare say we could squeeze in at least five to ten minutes. Try for 15. Try for 15 minutes a day to just say, okay, God, I don't want to be like this, like the Ephesians here. I want to love you. 15 minutes of just spending time with God, allowing his spirit to rekindle that fire within us. And it's amazing when we stop thinking about all the questions that we have for him and just let him speak, we begin to understand what he wants us to do and begin to recognize his voice later on in the day. Second thing, it doesn't do any good to listen to your father or your mother if you don't trust them. We need to trust him, not ourselves. If I trusted myself more than I trusted God I would have went ahead and hit submit started off on a whole different life journey I didn't know how God was going to provide I didn't know where what he was going to do God said go to Watertown there's a church of like 12 to 15 people there praise God we've got more than that now and we're continuing to grow all the time and I can't imagine, i thought about the times where it's been frustrating, and as a pastor, you think sometimes, God, am I, am I failing? Am not doing a good job? And all of a sudden, God says, you see that person? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you see the growth? You see how their life has changed? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's why you're here. And God's saying the same thing to each and every one of us this morning. That's why God has you here. That's why God has you as one of his children, because he wants to use you in amazing, wonderful ways. That are far going to surpass any plan or path that we might choose for ourselves. But we have to trust Him. We have to be willing to take a leap of faith sometimes. I jumped out of an airplane a couple times. I had to trust that that parachute was packed correctly. I did. It worked. Fortunately, God is much more reliable than parachute packers, because it doesn't always work for everyone, I guess. That's why my mom was really nervous. But we can trust God. He never forgets to pack a chute when He tells us to jump. He never fails to catch us when He tells us to jump without a parachute. Talking figuratively. Please don't try that. (laughs) And thirdly, we've got to recognize His voice so we can hear Him. We've got to trust that voice when we hear it. And as we said... Obey him, obedience. Put Jesus' words and love into practice. It doesn't do any good to hear his voice, to trust him, but then not actually follow through. My kids can trust me and they can trust the words I say and they can know what I'm telling them is right, but unless they actually take steps of obedience and put my words into action in their lives, it is of no value. So the three things I want us to contemplate this morning and to pray about and meditate on this week is, is trusting in the Lord with all our heart. Not depending on our own understanding. Seek His will in, in every aspect of our life. And we can over-spiritualize that and say, okay, God, what type of toothpaste should I buy? Maybe He'll tell you if He's saving you from getting a cavity. I don't know. But you know, don't overly-spiritualize things and, and, and get caught up in fear. But as we learn to, to walk in God's presence, especially the big important things in life, stop, listen, pray. And if we're used to hearing his voice and talking to him regularly throughout the day, hey, God, how's it going? I love you. That's what part of that praying continually is really about, is just connecting in with the Father every now and then, just saying, hey, I love you. I do this thing with my kids. I say, hey, guess what? What? I love you. Ah, oh, Dad, come on. I love you too. I'll do it like three times in a row just to get them laughing or annoy them. It's kind of fun. But I'm checking in with them. It's a way, I'm saying, hey, are you still hearing my voice? Do you still realize our connection, that I love you, that I'm here for you? And God does the same way. Throughout the day, I guarantee you, God occasionally is wanting to go, hey, guess what? I love you. So take time throughout the day just to stop. Let God say that to you. Maybe even surprise Him by saying it first. And as we do that, it's in those moments God might then say, hey, I love you too. Guess what? How about how about this? How about that? And you're like, oh my goodness, thank you. Starting a conversation with God is so easy. You say, hey, guess what? I love you. Trust him, what he says. And then walk in obedience. Put it into practice. And sometimes we need each other to do that. Um, I know I use my kids as an example quite a bit, but... For some reason, it must be the season when God's revealed a lot of things about how we are as his children through my own. And sometimes uh, they hold each other accountable, and we have to do that as well. We have to hold each other, come to someone and say, Hey, Jim, I I feel like God's telling me this. Um, I know it's right. I'm having troubles doing it. What do you think, man? And that's where we begin to speak into each other's lives, encourage one another, share our own stories, how God spoke to us. We trusted him. And he came through Encourage one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word that you've given us. I thank you that you love us more than we can ever imagine. I thank you that the biggest thing that you are asking of us is that we simply return that love. Allow it to grow within us, Lord. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would, uh, if any of us have felt like we've just been dying spiritually, or maybe we've been dead for a while, or we go in and out of seasons, of doing well, that, Father, you just rekindle a fire within us, a heart's desire for you. Lord, as we say this morning, remind us that we belong to you, that you are our heavenly Father. Now, Lord, there is such amazing blessing and reward that comes with that. And, uh, Father, we just surrender our hearts to you fully and wholly. And, Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would just open our ears this week to hear your voice. That, Lord, you would help us to prioritize and we'd clear out our schedule to spend time with you, to say how much we love you, to allow you to say it back, and then listen to whatever else you would speak and lead to us, Father. And I just ask you would lead us through our lives into the things that you're calling us to. And as a church, corporately, Father, I just ask that you would speak to us, guide our steps that we might be able to reach the lost, that we might be able to Uh, share your good news with the brokenhearted father and see your light shine in our communities Lord we ask this in Jesus name amen